What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 298, uh, two episodes away for uh, the glorious episode 300. We're getting super, super close. Um, maybe we'll have like a party or something once we get around to that uh, episode next couple weeks. Uh, today, we have a best-selling author on the podcast today, Lars Emmerich, uh, to talk about not only what he writes about in his uh, books and his works, but also what he's doing in the crypto and blockchain space. So we're going to have a fun, um, I think, diverse conversation in regards to that. Lars, welcome to the show. Super happy to have you on. How are you doing today? Thank you, Brandon. It's awesome to be here. I appreciate it. Congrats on almost 300. That's a huge milestone. Yeah, yeah. It's it. It doesn't seem like a lot, but when I look back, yeah, that's a lot of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of conversations, man. But fun. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's a podcast are great. I love. Them. Yeah, it, it's an absolute blessing being on. I guess this side of the camera, getting mm -hmm. to interview people and talk to people, um, you learn so much. So much that you may not think that you would have before, just because of the perspective. I think listening yeah. to so many people. Um. Lars, tell us a bit more about yourself before we kind of jump into everything. I'm sure people are going to be wondering, um, who are you? What, what have you done in the past prior to uh, becoming such a best-selling author? Was there inspiration behind that? Uh, what were the, the origins? Yeah, I, thank you. I'm uh, probably older than your average guest on the podcast. I had, <laughs> a, uh, I had a whole career prior to doing the author thing, I used to fly F-16s. I did that for 20 years in the U.S. Air Force. Loved it. Amazing time. Lots and lots of work, but the people were amazing. And obviously flying the jet was, uh, it was you know, a little kid's dream come true. Um, somewhere towards the end of that, though, I realized that if you linger too long, they're going to take away your airplane, and give you an email password and a calendar full of boring meetings all over the country. That's exactly what happened. So um, it was during that time that I started writing fiction. And I write, I write edgy thrillers. And uh, at the core of them is, it's always the idea that there's more there than meets the eye. And I think that's true for all uh, thrillers, but also woven into the middle of it, of basically the entire series. And I'm, I have 12 books out now in, the uh, Samantha Jameson series sold over a million copies in 17 countries. If you told me that at the beginning, that it was going to be that at some point, I never probably would have believed it. Um, or I might've asked, well, why can't it be 2 million? So who knows? Right. But uh, one of the main themes that I got really interested in earlier, early on is, Hey, what's value and how do you store it? And of course that led me down the fiat currency rabbit hole and at some moment, I was probably goofing off at work, um, reading stuff online instead of answering the billion emails in the inbox. And I ran across the Bitcoin white paper. And I was like, holy smokes, this has the potential to change just about everything. About the way the state relates to the individual, the way the individual relates to the state. And it's about to take away a lot of power from governments who are used to printing their way into getting whatever they want, whether it's wars or uh, purchasing elections or, or what have you. So that was my entry into the crypto space. And I very early on became a Bitcoin miner back when an individual could do that. <laughs> you could, you could uh, 
this was just at the dawn of the application-specific IC era ASIC uh, miners. And um, I mined for a good bit of time and um, certainly enjoyed the, the fruits of that as Bitcoin became something amazing and I think is on its way to being even more uh, important and valuable. And I um, watched the other crypto projects quite carefully as well. And um, they were different off the bat. Bitcoin was money and uh, it, was, it was able to be money because it really is decentralized in its governance and execution. The other projects were all centralized. And so they struck me much more as uh, business startups and or so basically securities. Um, and some with commodity functions, think of gas or ADA in the Cardano NFT network. And so there, I, I didn't feel that I understood any individual project well enough to dive in. So I mostly watched and I'm, you know, I partially, I kind of kick myself because if I had, if I had chosen correctly, then, you know, it could have been, it could have been pretty amazing, but it was also pretty easy to choose poorly, <laughs> choose the wrong project and, you know, experience the proverbial rug pull. So um, it's, and I, I'm sort of full circle where I, you know, I've become involved in a, in a project or two in the NFT space now that it's a bit more mature. But that's sort of my trajectory and my connection um, to crypto mainly via Bitcoin, but I'm, I'm very interested in seeing what use cases develop in the rest of the crypto ecosystem. Yeah, that's awesome. It seems like you got involved at a very early stage, um, even talking about miners and ASICs and everything. I remember getting involved uh, with mining like back in uh, 2017, 2018, uh, which again, doesn't seem like that long ago, but in this space, it is quite a long time. Um, yeah. And when I would tell people I was working with ASICs, they'd be like, oh, I love that shoe brand. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mentioned uh, it to my brother-in-law who's an IT guy. He's like, oh, yeah, we use ASICs all the time. You can use one of mine. I'm like, no, no. They make it specifically yeah. <laughs> for one thing. <laughs> In yeah, this case, yeah. it's plenty. Exactly. Um, and, and you sold over a million books worldwide. That's crazy. Um, yeah. What what's what was the secret maybe that to that success was it an advertising strategy was it uh, going for volume was there some luck involved where maybe a book took off and got popular well, yeah, what would you say maybe it was it like a single thing you could accredit to the success of that the turning point was uh, so I did the same thing that everybody did at the, at the time I got started I suppose I began writing in earnest in maybe 2013 I published mm -hmm. at the end of 2013 my first novel. I did it in the same way that everybody at the time was doing it. I would just put it out on the online retailers. Ebooks were relatively new at the time. And um, some folks who had an available backlist were making a really, really nice income just by putting their back. A backlist just means all the books that you've written. And they put all their books up. And at the time, I think there were more readers than, you know, e-readers than there were books available to be read, you know, or something like that. So I got in at that time. Um, I... I had some online business experience a decade's worth by then. And so advertising was pretty easy for me. I used my advertising 
um, skills I had accumulated over the years to, to bring folks over to the retailers like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, you know, Kobo, Apple, Google. Quickly, Amazon sort of eclipsed all of them. And um, at the same time, it became much, much harder to make any money on Amazon. And they began treating people poorly. In fact, one month, I got an email from Amazon saying, hey, we've noticed something suspicious about your account, and therefore we have decided in our infinite wisdom that you're guilty and we're not going to pay you. And I have no idea what, to this day, I have no idea what they found because when I asked them to clarify, they, uh, they just sent me autoresponders. And the autoresponder said, we've reviewed your case and we, oh we've decided to uphold our original decision. So that that knocked me off my current trajectory and, and put me on a new one. And I said, you know what? Screw you, Amazon. I'm just going to sell directly to my customers. And so I did that. And um, it took a long time and you have to wire a bunch of web two tools together and you have to, it's all really fussy and you have to, you know, you have to spend a lot of time making it work, but it worked. And, um, and it worked extremely well when everybody was locked up over COVID. So, you know, you, you asked, Hey, was it, was it marketing? Was it, uh, was it luck? Was it, yeah, it was all of the above. It was all of the above. Obviously you have to have a decent product. And so I spent a lot of time trying to make the books enjoyable and readable but uh, what has been sort of unique about that trajectory is the fact that I've sold the vast majority of those books directly to individuals rather than going through a big third-party retailer like Amazon. Right. How did you go directly to the individual? Was there a specific strategy with that? Because Amazon's usually where everyone needs to go these days because they're so big. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a great question. Mm -hmm. I set up a number. I test. A, I am a, you know, I'm a tester. I test things. Right. And I have an engineering education, and so and I'm I love spreadsheets. So I uh, I'm a data nerd. I tested a bunch of different say um, uh, online web store platforms and was able to get good volume through all of them. So um, I just used social media advertising, paid ads. And I sent folks to a landing page and early on I offered them a free book in exchange for an email address. And then right away the, on the thank you page was also an opportunity to purchase from me the rest of this, basically the rest of the series at a pretty good price. And uh, roughly 20% of the new folks who signed up purchased right away. And then another 20% purchased later in the email sequence. And they bought directly from my web store. And I partnered with a company that helped people get eBooks onto their existing e-readers. So that's how we did uh, fulfillment. Nice, nice. That seems like a much more creative route to go than I think most authors would think about today. So that's really cool. Um, and speaking of new routes, you know, blockchain opens up in the whole Web3 space, different opportunities, I think, for authors to not only publish, but protect their work and copyright as well as earn a fair royalty. Um, and I, I'm sure you've explored some of these avenues as well. Maybe this is a good place to insert a little bit um, the NFT conversation we were having just before we hopped on. Um, Cause it seems like the perfect maybe vehicle for delivering these books or maybe allowing for the purchase of them. Uh, what, what thoughts do you have on that? Have you explored it a bit? I, I absolutely have. There's this startup called book.io 
mm-hmm. and they're building in the Cardano ecosystem. They're doing exactly that. And I think I'm the third living novelist to have minted an ebook as an NFT. Nice. Through their, uh, you know, through their work. I think they were, um, I don't know if they were acquired, but they've uh, received a sizable investment from a, a major traditional publisher and uh, like a print services provider. So there's certainly interest in the industry. And it's, um, I think the key innovation that those folks have done is uh, using the interplanetary file system, IPFS, to distribute the file shards so that um, the books can be minted as NFTs and then retrieved from IPFS and read in an actual reader. And so it's like, it's just like owning a physical copy, except it doesn't get tattered and it doesn't get torn and it doesn't get lost. I suppose you can lose your wallet, um, but hopefully you don't lose your seed, your seed phrase, right? Um, so it's durable. And later, if you want to sell it, uh, you can do that as, the, as a property owner. And on the creator side, it does offer, offer the opportunity for, you know, for um, ongoing royalties as the value of your work increases, ideally over time, as your notoriety and your audience grows. Um, your early work is, you know, certainly you hope that it becomes more valuable. So I think it's a great proposition all around. And, um, and folks don't know, but when you quote unquote buy an ebook, say from Amazon, you don't actually own that ebook. You've just purchased a license to read that ebook. And uh, people have experienced when, you know, when a retailer changes his mind or goes out of business or leaves a market those licenses just become null and void and whatever books were on your reader before are suddenly gone because again, you don't own them as the consumer and you, you can't trade them. You can't send them to people. You can't gift them. You can't lend them out. But when you are the property owner, like you own the individual ebook um, as the consumer, you bought it just as if you had bought a hardcover, um, you can, do whatever you want with that. You can give it to people. You can, you can sell it. You can hold on to it as a collector's item. The other cool thing is that uh, you can mint unique artwork. So the, you know, just like in the JPEG universe, um, you have one of one collectibles. So it's a really fun mix of the NFT collectible world with the utility of the ebook world. So it's been a really exciting project. I'm really uh, thrilled to be a part of it, especially at this early stage. Yeah, isn't that crazy how the book industry works now, especially with ebooks? Like, I feel like with physical books, one of the things that have made certain um, either authors or literary works popular across time is being able to pass it on to your kids or to a friend or a relative or, or, or whatever. That's how I received so many books and how I love to read and became attached to certain uh, authors and, and works in it's crazy. You can't really do that. It's been so commercialized um, that I think that aspect's being lost. And then, um, yeah, you know, on top of that, not actually owning it is kind of scary too. It's like, you think you have this digital library, but not really. Again, you just have the license to read it. I, I personally prefer physical books still um, just because I have control over the fact that I bought it and I can read it and do what I want with it. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's, it's really weird. So there is definitely a need for this to be integrated in some kind of way, maybe with Web3 to kind of fix this problem. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, the opportunities are um, pretty big. You know, one of the things that um, the NFT world, from my perspective, was missing is utility. Certainly the space is exciting. The possibilities are exciting. The technology is exciting. Uh, real private ownership of really scarce digital assets, man, that's, I think, a game changer. What hasn't, what is not quite as mature is the, is the use case. And I think we'll see a lot more along these lines with video and audio uh, content uh, as well. But I think, and we were chatting about this before, um, we're maybe at an inflection point where um, NFTs before were, were viewed, I think, as objects in and of themselves. But I think really we're coming to realize that they're fancy keys to some house or stadium or amusement park or something that needs to be built in order to give the key value. Like, what do you do after you have, because you can only stare at your JPEG for so long. Mm -hmm. But if you have something, of, you know, a cool place to gather, and I think Bored Apes uh, paved this path, um, if you have some utility associated with your NFT, some really awesome space, community, whether it's physical, virtual, or some combination of the two, uh, I think that's probably the key going forward. And it's funny because, man, it, uh, you know, it's, it's a brand new a uh, shiny, exciting tool, which ultimately circles back to basic business fundamentals. Do something great for the customer in exchange for their business. So it'll be interesting to see how all that builds out and where the opportunities really lie to do that in, the, in this space. What are your thoughts? Yeah. yeah, I'm very excited to see how NFTs will evolve from this static model that they exist in today. Uh, representing trading cards and collectibles and arts, which are all fine, all you know, need to be revolutionized, but they can be so much more. So going from static to something that's more dynamic and utility driven is going to be very exciting because it can be applied to just about anything, especially when you have a token that's completely unique in nature. Um, and then when you apply that to books, it gets really, really interesting. This is where I get you know very excited too, and I'm sure you uh, do as well, is the ability to take a book and you, you know how you read a book, like a good book, like you write thrillers and you feel immersed into the book. Like you feel like you're there. You feel like you're being chased by the killer mm -hmm. or <laughs> you're investigating like Sherlock Holmes. Um, those are some of the best. Um, and I feel like NFTs can bring some of that out in a more um colorful way than before yeah. allowing a different form of immersion where you can relate even more to a character uh even more to a protagonist or an antagonist maybe more to the author uh, maybe where an author can connect more with the reader and maybe be able to release canon for a literary work directly to the audience when they want it like maybe mm. on demand yeah. um maybe be able to clear up things that you know when you publish a book it's kind of set in stone, but maybe you can say, oh, but I'm going to add this to the book or I'm going to answer this question and, and uh, make it known to my listeners so that this is cleared up within the book. Um, I think it opens a whole new dynamic.
Yeah, I, I think it really does. The The analogy that's coming to my mind is there's there's a, a an art project uh, called Meow Wolf. It's here in my city in Denver. I think it's been in other places as well. It's an immersive experience. You walk in and it's almost like you're having an archaeological experience. I don't mean in the sense that you're mm -hmm. digging in the dirt. I mean that uh, these really elaborate rooms that are just beautifully done, very, very artistically done, but they're they're fashioned around a central mystery that you're kind of unraveling as you go along. And there, there are live characters that are interacting with you in a pretty organic way. So you're immersed in the discovery of the story, having a very rich experience. And I, that's where my mind goes to when I envision, hey, what, what can, kinds of things can be built around this that uh, are this being NFTs, digital collectibles um, that are strongly community-based, more immersive than the more static kinds of, uh, I mean, book is a pretty static thing. Mm -hmm. Movies less so, but still you're on the couch or you're in the seat in the theater, you know, um, more participatory, uh, more evolving in response to the customer's inputs and experience so this will be an extremely interesting space to, to be involved in both on the technical side but also on the you know on the creation side because i think um there's some unprecedented opportunity for richness of experience that we just haven't seen before you know right and you talked about um was it book.io a little bit mm -hmm. earlier yeah um so you have some experience doing a little bit of work with putting uh, some some books on blockchain, right? Yes, I minted uh, I minted the first two books in my series with Book.io, um, and that mint happened maybe a week or two ago. So, or maybe maybe two or three by now. Time flies, uh, but what a cool experience, you know? Right. I, I um my main crypto experience has been Bitcoin, and that's what I know best. And I'm not a developer, so don't you know? Don't get me wrong. So this has been a really cool immersion in a in a uh, blockchain project, not related to Bitcoin, and it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's been a it's like I've opened the door and there's a whole party happening in this other room that I wasn't mm -hmm. aware of, and now I finally get to step in and be part of the party. So yeah, it's been fun. Has it been more of an experiment for you to do that, or are you starting to find a bit of an audience there? Um, both for sure, but I don't yet have dialed in. Um, like, I don't know enough about where people are hanging out who might represent the intersection of thriller enthusiasts and NFT DGNs, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, and that intersection might be large, it might be small. I don't yet have a good, I'm pretty new at understanding how all that fits together. Um, and I can't imagine that it remains just delivery of a static book. I can't imagine that that's where we eventually settle on. I think it's likely to be much richer, particularly with the flexibility that an IPFS construct gives you. So I'm eager to, I'm eager to get smarter and you know, figure out where, uh, where we can really innovate in a way that excites people in that space. Yeah, obviously, I guess this side of the industry is very early still. Um, IPFS has been around for a little while now, yeah. and I've used it for a number of things. And it works great, 
Um, but it's still very early. There's a lot that needs to be worked out and it yeah. just hasn't broken mainstream yet. So um, it, that'll take some time. But once it does, it's going to be very exciting. And I'm sure you have more books in the works that you want to put out at some point. Um, are any of those potentially uh, books that you want to put out solely on blockchain? Maybe something completely unique that you can only get maybe through IPFS or through an NFT versus being able to actually get it in a bookstore? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, if a few of us early early authors in that ecosystem, we're, we're collaborating on a project right now. So we're in the beginning stages of it. And it will be, um, at least as I understand our intention, it will be mm -hmm. unique only and available only in the Web3 space as, a, as an NFT offering. And eventually, once I better understand who's in the space and how I can serve them, um, I would love to move everything to Web3 just because I think it's the future of commerce. I think it's the future of property. Um, and I, I think it's, uh, it contributes to individual sovereignty and individual freedom and a, a more appropriate relationship between the governed and the government. And uh, not to get too political, but I, I think when you can print money at will, boy, that leads to a lot of shenanigans that you wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to perpetrate if you had to use real money right? Or um, right. if you had to demonstrate real value. So I think uh, for lots of great reasons, it's the future. And I'm, you know, I'm really excited to uh, try to make my way in that, in that world. Like I say, I'm at the beginning stages of it, uh, but I certainly can see the opportunity. Do you ever talk about this kind of stuff, um, whether it be Web3 in the digital age or digital currencies or NFTs or blockchain in any of your books um, as maybe some kind of topic or centerpiece? Yeah, that's a great question. Absolutely. So as I was getting started in my novel career, I was also very interested in, you know, what is money? What is value? How do you store it? How do you transfer it? And um, why is it that if you just put money in a bank account, it all disappears? That seems counterintuitive. Like, shouldn't money just stay? It's not like food. It shouldn't go bad, right? Um, so that spawned a whole line of a whole line of thought. And I have a, a trilogy called the devolution trilogy where, uh, the hypothesis is around that money as an agreement. And how do we, how can we undermine that agreement? How can that agreement be undermined? I should say, um, what are the, and you know, what are the consequences? So that, that, uh, that trilogy was basically around, um, an economic meltdown. And uh, Bitcoin featured very, very prominently in all three of those books. So I had a lot of fun hypothesizing about where it could go. Uh, and it's cute at the time. I, uh, you know, as the dollar fell, I hypothesized that, the, that um, you know, as people lost confidence in the dollar, maybe people would gain confidence in, in Bitcoin. And I threw some astronomical number for the price per Bitcoin which has long since been eclipsed <laughs> by where we've gone to. So there's a little bit of a, you know, fun anachronism stuck in mm -hmm. it still that uh, I get a chuckle thinking about. And I've thought about going back to change it, but I'm like, no, man, that's part of the deal. You know, it's part of the, it's part of the history of, of not just Bitcoin vis-a-vis -vis the dollar, but also our thinking about it and our understanding of what it is and what it could be 
and not just that particular project, but the space in general. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, have, do you own any Bitcoin or crypto? Um, are you like, you know, physically invested yourself into the space outside, oh, of, the, yeah. outside of being an author? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, I mined for, uh, not nearly as long as I would have mined mm-hmm. knowing what I know now, but, uh, and that wound up being over time, a fantastic investment. And, and I'll even go so far as to say as a life-changing investment. So I, I remain extremely optimistic about that experiment in general, what it means, uh, politically, socially, financially for all of us. And also I'm really excited about it personally. I'm actually kind of loving the quote unquote winter because I'm mm-hmm. buying my socks off right now. So, Right. Yeah. I think if you play your cards right, it doesn't really matter if it's a bull market or a bear market. You, you just get to have the fun of taking advantage of the massive swings up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at that point right now. It's a bad market, but I get to talk to people that are building and that are optimistic and that are creating new things. And I, I get to buy a little bit every day and, you know, reposition. And I know at some point it's going to go back up at some point, things will revalue accordingly. Um, there's no reason for it not to. So it, it's fun to kind of play that game a little bit. And yeah. I think overall just be a part of a new industry that's starting to emerge, whether it's from, an investment perspective or from a technological side. Um, I, I enjoy it more, more than anything. I think you probably do too. Yeah. It's been a really, really, really fun. Um, it's stimulating on a lot of different levels. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a really fascinating space and an important space. Absolutely. Where can people go to learn more about you, uh, about some of your books? Maybe they want to buy one. Where do you want to direct people? Yeah. Go to Lars.buzz. L-A-R-S dot B-U-Z-Z. That's the sort of the doorway to whatever the best deal of the moment is. That's where to find it on my stuff. So thank you. What about you? What if they want to find you online or have a conversation with you? Um, where should they go if they want to just chit chat? Uh, you can find me on, on Twitter, Lars underscore Emmerich. I have a lot to say about uh, current goings on. So, you know, take a lot of that with a grain of salt. But uh, I'm always happy to to meet new friends and have, have my ideas challenged and improved. Cool guys. Check out Lars online. Make sure to check out uh, his books at uh, Lars.buzz, right? That's right. Yeah. Lars.buzz. Make sure to like, and subscribe to the podcast and the video. If you haven't already uh, Lars, a uh, really fun conversation, learned a lot about you and your works. And um, really, I really enjoy talking about this topic too, with books and blockchain. I think it's going to be a very important use case, uh, I guess, preserving our history and preserving our creativity and opening up new doors for, for authors and for readers and, and listeners, I guess, if you listen to audiobooks, <laughs> um, a lot of cool new things are going to be done. So thank you for the conversation. Thank you. Thank you so here. much. It's been amazing. I appreciate it. Of course. Take care. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Stay safe, man.